All right, let's go ahead and jump into the Word this morning. We're going to continue on with our Echoes from Exodus series. Just so you guys know, uh, I want to kind of sometimes give you a little bit of a, of a road map. We're going to be finishing up this series next week. So I hope that you've enjoyed it. But uh, next week, we'll kind of close that out on the 3rd. And then, of course, we have our guest speaker on the 10th. And we'll be starting a new series then uh, on the 17th of October. So want to make sure that you're aware of that, know what's going on, but we're going to be closing this out in the last couple of weeks. So as we kind of put a bow on this, we're obviously, in case you didn't know, we're not going to go through the entire book of Exodus. That would really take us probably into summer of 2022. So we're not going to be doing that, but we're going to be kind of bringing this all to a close where I kind of feel like is a good place to kind of to stop. But we're kind of, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to kind of be looking at some of the things that take place where we're going to be, but also kind of continue through a little bit through the end of Exodus and so on and so forth. So before we jump into this, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to come and to, to, to share a meal together and to, and to take communion together. And Father, I just pray that God, as we continue to look at your word, as we continue to look at Exodus, that God, you would just uh, uh, show us some things, help us to see some things, help us to uh, realize things that are there that, are, that maybe we haven't before. Sometimes we, a lot of people, we know about these stories. We know a lot about Exodus, but there's some deeper truths, Father, that I think you want to share with us. And so God, I pray that you would help us in this moment, help me to communicate those things in the way you desire for them to be communicated. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we kind of bring this all to a close, one of the things I talked about in the first week was kind of this idea that, that Exodus really does a really good job of kind of showing us many, many things when it comes to our lives, and it's very relevant for today. But before we kind of put a bow on this, I want to kind of look at this again, because now we're kind of at that place where in some ways we can kind of do that. Okay. We've gone through a lot of Exodus. We're going to be looking basically at Exodus 14 today. Um, but, but here we kind of take a moment to kind of take a step back before we take a step forward. And I want to do that. So, so if you have your notes, if you have your Bible, we're going to be turning in just a moment to, our, our, to Exodus 14. But before we get there, I want to look at this. And see, here's the thing. This is one of the reasons I love the book of Exodus. It's because the book of Exodus really does parallel the Christian life as a whole. It really does, if you kind of stop and you kind of look at the story of Exodus, it's really easy to see how God has moved us, how God has done this. And it's going to kind of be our recap this morning of kind of where we are. Because obviously when the book of Exodus begins, the first part of it, we find the people of Israel in slavery. We find them in bondage. We find them in a situation where it's not... It's not the freedom that really God has for his people. And they're bound and, they, and things are even kind of getting worse for them. And that's kind of where we start our story as, as people in a lot of ways. Is we start in slavery. We start in that place uh, where we're slaves to sin. In John 8.34, Jesus talks about it. Jesus helps us to see that. So this is what he says. He says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. And we talked about this last week. That's all of us. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standard. And so in some ways, we're exactly like 
the people of Israel at the beginning of Exodus. We have been bound, we are in sin, we are slaves to sin. And like we talked about last week, Jesus then comes, the Lamb of God comes, and he offers himself as a sacrifice, as a substitute to help us move past the slavery and into the freedom that, that we have. But remember, like we talked about last week, it's more than just the sacrifice that's taking place. We have to be willing to take the blood and put it on our door frames of our house to really be passed over for what we deserve. And so that's the moment of salvation. That's when, you know, obviously hey, Jesus died a long time ago. Jesus rose a long time ago. But now today the question is, will you apply the blood? The sacrifice has been made. The way has been made. The question now is, will you be willing to accept that gift and accept those things? So we talked a little bit about that, obviously, or a lot about that last week. And so that's the moment of salvation. That's the moment where this is wonderful. This is a great thing. But God doesn't just stop there. See, salvation isn't the end of your story. It's just a chapter in your story and a chapter in your journey. God doesn't just say, awesome, you're saved, and now I don't want anything to do with you. There's more that God wants to do. So let's look in this and see what God wants to do. Look at Exodus 8.1. In Exodus 8.1, Moses has been, uh, has been called at this particular moment in the story of Exodus. He's now coming to Pharaoh and he's going, let my people go. And basically we know what happens here. But then the Lord says to Moses, go back to Pharaoh and announce to him, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go. But he doesn't stop there. Okay, a lot of times we watch the movies or see the, the things. It's let my people go. But there's more. So they can worship me. That word worship, if you translate it from the original Hebrew, it really has this condemnation of service and serving. Some, some uh, um, translations that you look at, sometimes the, the ones that I use doesn't translate that as worship. It literally says serve. But it also has a little bit more than that. It's not just a serve type relationship, but it is literally a relationship. God is not interested in just saying, guess what? You got your freedom. I'll see you later. He wants to have a relationship with you and me. He doesn't just say, great, you're free, now go wander in the desert. We're not going to talk about it today, but he constantly is leading. He constantly is there. He's constantly showing them amazing things. It's because God doesn't want to just save you and leave you. God's not that type of a father. God in our lives desires relationship with us. It's one of those things, quite honestly, that a lot of people miss. They get saved, awesome. They're on their way to heaven, awesome. But they forget that God in this moment desires relationship with you. He desires relationship with us. God didn't just say, let my people go. He said, let them go so they can experience me. So they can have a closer relationship with me. And so they do. They, they're obviously, we've talked about it, the plagues happen. Pharaoh finally, even after, at the death of the firstborn, finally says, it's time for the people, get out, leave, you got to go. But here's the thing. On that journey to the promised land, there are problems. There are issues. In a lot of ways, once we're talking kind of about where we're at today, through the rest of the book and even into some of the other books of Moses, it's the story of the journey. 
Okay, well, like we talked about. Listen, you get saved, and that's awesome, and that's great, but that is just a chapter in your journey. It's a new part. And I think a lot of times people go, okay, now we're on the journey. Where are we headed? We're headed to the promised land. We're headed to where God promised us all these things. Okay, we're great. We're ready. All these things are starting to happen, but then things happen that we don't necessarily like. Things happen that we don't necessarily understand. Things happen that are difficult and hard. Sound, any, sound familiar to anybody in here? Salvation and accepting Jesus is not a ticket or a golden ticket to a trouble-free life. In fact, Jesus said the opposite. John 16, tells us that. I know we've looked at this before, obviously, but Jesus is trying to get us to see this. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I've overcome the world. Jesus promises us that there are going to be issues. There are going to be problems. There are going to be situations. And guess what? As soon as they leave, guess what hits? The problems. The sorrows. The confusion. All these things begin to hit the people of Israel very hard. And, very, and it makes it very difficult. But listen, we've talked about this before. We've, I've talked and, and, and shared messages with this, about this before, and we've got to understand this. Problems are necessary for miracles. Problems are necessary for miracles. If you don't have an issue, if you don't have a problem, you have no reason for a miracle. There are times where God will allow these things to happen for those reasons. Because here's the thing. I want to look at this kind of as we kind of look at this together. But one of the things that's always kind of baffled me when I've studied the book of, of Exodus is this. These people, and we're going to talk about this later, so I don't want to get too much into it. But these people saw some of the, literally, the most amazing things you can imagine. They saw these things. We're reading about them. They saw them. And yet the same people that saw some of the literally most amazing miracles that God has ever done. None of them make it to the promised land. They don't see it. I guess you say Joshua made it. Caleb made it. But I think that's about it. Moses didn't even make it. Why? Because a lot of times, you know, listen, think about this. If, if you said, hey, what, what, could, what would be really cool if we saw at this church or another church? You know what we probably would say? Well, first of all, hopefully we'd say we'd see souls, and that's a great thing. That's a miracle. But, you know, it'd be pretty cool to have somebody dead here that God raised from the dead. That, that would be kind of, I think that would get around Facebook a little bit. Hi, guess what? Well, how was your day? It was fine. Went to a funeral of sister so-and-so. She was a saint of the Lord, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we were at her funeral today, and the pastor just kind of walked by the casket and prayed, and she got up and walked out. That'd be pretty incredible. If basically you came here today, we're like, oh, we're going to have a potluck. And for some reason, everybody slept in and we had no food. And I was like, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? And I say, hey, Alan, would you do me a favor? Would you just pray that God would provide food for our potluck? And Alan says, okay. And he prays. And then we go out to the backyard here and there's literally casseroles lying on the ground. Now you laugh at that and that is funny. But you realize that's kind of what happens in the book of Exodus. Imagine you go to a lake or a large body of water and you're like, oh man, we really need to get to the other side. 
Oh, what are we going to do? We don't have a boat. I don't, I don't know how to swim. What are we going to do? And, and we go, God, you know, I really need to get to the other side. Can you help us get to the other side? And all of a sudden, the lake just parts. And there's dry land in the middle. And you walk in the middle of it. You would think these would be pretty amazing moments. You would think that we would walk away from that going, man, I got some amazing faith. Man, God is real. Man, I don't have any doubts anymore. But you know what? These people saw that and more. But something kept them from seeing them. You see, we have a question we need to ask this morning. What keeps them from seeing the miracles? Yes, I understand they see them, but what really see, keeps them from seeing these miracles. Let's look at Exodus 14. We're gonna, this is kind of our text where we're looking at this morning. So Exodus 14, 5 and 8, and then we're going to jump on to 10 through 14. This is what it says, kind of where we're at in the story. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds again. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariots, called up his troops. He took uh, with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with his commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fist raised in defiance. Now let's jump to uh, verse number 10. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egypt overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't, the gra- enough, weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Here's what's interesting. And we're going to see it in just a minute. We see this go over and happen over and over and over and over again in the lives of the Israelites. And because of it, they miss the miracle. Now, I don't do this all the time, but every once in a while, maybe more than I would like to acknowledge, there are things that, that I speak on that are so relevant to my life that it's hard to speak on them because it's so raw for me and it's so hard to talk about. But I don't think I'm alone here when it comes to this situation when it comes to understanding this concept. Um, But as I look at my life and I look at this understanding, I think there's one thing that just really bugs me about how I've chosen to live in one of these areas. When I was a youth pastor, one of the things that that we would do, obviously, as a youth group, maybe not obviously, uh, but we would do, is we'd go to youth camp. I grew up going to youth camp, and so, of course, we would take the kids to youth camp. And not to get into it or make the story longer than it needs to be, but at the time when I first got to New Mexico, the youth camp just really 
wasn't a very good place and it was kind of run down and it just really wasn't a place where we felt like it was a, a good opportunity to take the kids. And so, so we kind of started to try to figure out ways to kind of figure out how to do that. And, and basically we ended up starting to have a situation where instead of going to the normal youth camp, they found another camp. And so we were kind of going to that camp with, with the district. And, and here's the thing about youth camp. If you don't know this as a youth pastor, usually youth camp can be a, a, a kind of a nice break because you kind of just bring the kids and, and a lot of times it's just kind of, you're kind of hanging out with them and you don't have to worry about the service. You don't have to worry about preaching. You don't have to worry about all these sort of things. So it's kind of a special time where you kind of get to just enjoy kind of letting everybody else plan everything. And then you just kind of show up and have a good time. And so we did that for a number of years. Well, because of some situations that were literally out of the district's control, a couple months before youth camp was going to happen, we get a phone call saying, hey, just wanted to let you know, we are not going to be able to go to this new this campground that we have been going to and it was a great camp and we really enjoyed it and the, the staff was awesome and 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 so we're going to go back to where we had gone before and I was just I was upset I was frustrated how could you do this why didn't you let me know I don't want to think the kids here you know blah 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 and so I got started complaining and getting upset now what am I going to do well God all of a sudden kind of brings this this opportunity for us to go to this camp in Oklahoma. And I talked about it before, and it was an amazing camp. And, and basically, miraculously, through a miracle, really opened the door for us to go to camp there literally like a month or two before camp was going to happen. So God opens this door. And so you would think I would have been so excited and it just, oh, this is great. But you know what? I was like, God, really? You know, I'm going to have to do this now. I'm going to have to find transportation here. I didn't have to do that before. What am I going to do? And I just started complaining about this, this situation that God began to do. So we, anyway, we went to this camp and we were actually sharing it with another group and we had some things go on that were good and bad. But anyway, after that, I was like, man, this camp is awesome. We're going to go back here. And so we started going to this camp in Oklahoma for several years and it was, it was going well. But you know what? Here was the thing. Instead of me just being able to show up and just be like, okay, everybody else gets to do everything and I just got to hang out, I had to put the camp together. So that means I had to schedule everything. I had to find the guest speaker. I had to find the worship lab. I had to find all the things. I had to say, this was going to happen here, and this was going to happen here, and, and now we're going to do this, and I had to make sure there was enough food, and had to make sure there was money enough for the bus, and all, I mean, it was just all these things, and I started getting tired, and all these things, but you know what? The kids loved it. The kids loved it. I remember one year, we would rent out a travel coach, basically, to go, and one year, it was a 55-passenger bus basically if I remember correctly it was one of those real nice ones you know and, and I had a big problem we filled the bus up now you would have thought that I had gone this is great we're taking 50 plus kids to camp this is great but you know what I did I didn't I went I'm gonna have to find I'm gonna have to find a van I, I'm gonna have to find a van now where am I gonna find a van we're making a 15 passenger and I'm going to have to drive. You know, it's really nice to be able to sit in the back of the bus and let somebody else drive. But nope, now I got to drive to Oklahoma. So we had to take two vans. So we, one year we show up to camp with this 55 passenger bus, two 16 passenger vans. And you go, what? You would think that I would have been smart enough to go, God, this is awesome. God, look what you're doing. God, you're making miracles take place. We were never supposed to be in Oklahoma. We were always supposed to be here, but look what you've done. And you know what I did instead? I complained about all the extra work that I had to do. I complained about having to find the van. I complained about having to drive the van. Some amazing things took place at that camp. And you know what? I missed it. 
I missed it all. There are still times where Em and I will talk and we'll talk about those camps and the impact that they made on the lives of so many young people. And in that moment, you know what all I could have saw? All I was seeing was all the issues, all the problems. And I missed the miracle. I missed it all. It's one of my great, of many things that I look back on my life and go, man, if I could just have done that differently. If I could have just said, how God, how awesome you are that we need another van to get these kids. God, how awesome you are that you brought this campground and this opportunity for us to be, to do this. But I didn't. I missed it. Here's the thing. Miracles come when life is messy. And we can miss the miracles if we're too busy complaining about the mess. That was my problem. God was doing great things. God was doing miracles. God was doing life-changing things in the life of these teenagers. And you know what? I missed it because it was messy. I missed it because it wasn't as clean as I like things to be. I like to have it, you know, here, and then we're going to go here, and then we're going to go here. And, and, and you know what? My schedule got messed up, and my plans got messed up. And I missed it. When you look at the issues that these Israelites had, it happens over and over and over again. Look at it with me. I wrote them down, and I probably didn't get them all. But before we do, look what they say. Look at Exodus 14.10. We've read it, but let's read it again. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? You hear that over and over again. Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why didn't you leave us in Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen when we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Listen to what they say here, guys. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. They keep going back and doing it over and over and over again. This is in your notes. Look at this with me. In Exodus 15, they complain that the water is bitter. In Exodus 16, they complain that they are hungry. In Exodus 17, they complain that they are thirsty. In Exodus 32, they complain Moses is taking too long in God's presence on the mountain. So they take it even one step further here, and they make the calf and begin to worship a calf made of gold because Moses has taken too long. In Numbers 11, they complain about their hardships. In Numbers 11, again, they complain about the type of food that they're given to eat. In Numbers 12, Miriam and Aaron complain about Moses. In Numbers 14, they complain again, and this time they want to kill Moses. In Numbers 16, they complain that Moses was the leader that God gave them. They didn't like Moses. They wanted another one. In Numbers 20, they again complain about the water. In, November, in Numbers 21, they complain about God's timing and his direction. Over and over and over. And depending on the translation... Here's what you find. And the Israelites complained. You know what's interesting? I've looked and I've gone, God, was there anything else here? 
What was this? Was this really it? You know, like we talk about these sort of things and we talk about things and we look like, like this is a this is a big spiritual no-no. And this one is more okay, well, it's, it's not so big a deal. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know if I look at it and go, a big spiritual no-no is not complaining. But in this story, it happens over and over again. You could say, well, yeah, that was a lack of faith. Yeah, maybe it was, and I don't disagree with you here. But how do they express that lack of faith? They express it with complaining. They express it with upset and murmuring over and over again. Look at Hebrews 3, 7 through 9. This is what it says. This is what the Holy Spirit says. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. When they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. What is this saying? Simply, it's in your notes. They got to see with their own eyes some of the most amazing miracles ever. But even though they saw it, they missed the whole thing. You can be a part of some of the greatest things that God is doing and you can miss them. Why? Look, complaining will cause you to miss what God is doing right in front of you. You would have thought that I would have been smart enough to go, yes, these are problems. Yes, these are hard things. But what an opportunity. Look at the kids that we're going to minister to. Look at the kids who God is going to change their lives. But nope, your fearless leader was complaining because he had to drive a van. And I missed it. You know, sometimes the enemy doesn't come and hit us with the biggies. Whatever your biggies are. Sometimes it's these little things that rob us of what God is really doing. And for me, I missed it. And these individuals missed it. The promise of the promised land. They missed it and they died in the desert. Because they continually had a complaining heart. They continually saw what was wrong. Think about it. In our text this morning, okay? In our text this morning, we know where this is. This is, if you don't know, let me tell you, it's right before the Red Seas parted. Now listen, I'll, can you, we'll, we'll maybe give them a little bit of, of, of help here, okay? Like if, if God hadn't maybe, I don't know, just done 10 amazing plagues, maybe we could give them a little bit of leeway here. But they have literally just seen darkness in Egypt for three days. They've literally just seen the firstborn die. They've seen frogs and flies and the river of Nile turn to blood. They have seen amazing God things. Miracles, obviously. And now they're at the Red Sea and we're done for. And, and listen, before we all go, <laughs> really? Couldn't you have done better? Do we? I know I don't. And so here they are, and they begin to complain. And I just gave you, I don't know how many, from, from where it just happens over and over and over again. And here's the thing. I just want us to not miss the miracles. 
I'm not saying that there aren't issues. I'm not saying there aren't problems. There are. But if we focus in on those, we will miss what God is doing. And here's the thing I believe. Eventually, if we don't make the changes, we'll miss God's promises. We'll miss that promise that God has for us, just like they did. So let's look at this together. How do you not miss the miracle God is doing right in front of you? I just have a couple here. I just have a couple. Number one, you stop looking at the problems and see the miracles. You go, Aaron, I don't think God's done any miracles in my life. Okay, let me stop there and let's, let's look at the greatest one that God ever does. Have you accepted him as your savior? If you have, he has done the greatest miracle of spiritual death, the spiritual life that you will ever need. So the answer to that is you have. Now, if you haven't accepted him, you can do that today and you can have a miracle too. So don't feel left out, okay? But the miracles God has done, and here's the other thing. I promise you, you may not see them on this planet, but you will get to heaven one day and you will spend time with Jesus and he will start to list out the miracles that have taken place that you never saw. Every single one of us, I promise you, you can come up to me in heaven and say, okay, Aaron, you were right on that one. You may say you were wrong on these 45 things, but I'll get this one right. There are miracles abounding, abounding in your life. It is, they're constantly taking place. We just don't always see them. And sometimes it's because we're complaining. Sometimes it's because we are seeing the problems and not seeing the miracles. Let me give you some examples. I don't know how many times I'll hear stories like this where people miss the miracle of their marriage. And they'll be sitting by a bedside, maybe holding the hand of a spouse that maybe they've been married, who knows, for 40, 50, 60 years. And, and they'll kind of say things like this, where did the time go? Where did, where did it go? What, what, what happened? And when you really kind of begin to pull back the onions or the layers of the onions, you kind of realize that, you know what, they spent a lot of time complaining. You know, my spouse isn't this, my spouse isn't that. You know, I wish my spouse did this better. I wish my spouse loved me in a better way in this area. And, and, and most of their marriage life, even though they've stayed together, has been kind of a, 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 a picky, a, kind of a, a picking a part of each other. And so now here they are at the end and one of them's about ready to go into eternity and they just don't, they, they, they just, they miss so much. They missed so much. Why? Because they found and focused in on what was wrong with the spouse instead of what was right about the spouse. How about your kids? You look at your kids and, 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 and look, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Like, I'm kind of, like, I like everything in its place. Everything has a place and everything in its place. You know what I've learned? Five-year-olds they don't have that same concept as I do. I, I, I like, you know, well, your shoes go here, and, 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 and this goes here, and, and you're supposed to put your hat on the hat rack, and I mean, that's just me. Guess what? My son is not that way. Maybe he will grow into that, but he is not that now. You know how many times I've missed the moment with him because I was more concerned about where his shoes were? And being able to spend time with him. 
you can so easily miss the miracle of your children. Because you know what? You have to stay up late. I mean, seriously, think about how many times have you heard this? There's that newborn baby that comes into the church or into the family. And look, I'm not saying they're trying to be this way, but you know what I'm saying. And they're just, they're, they're, they're oh, I'm just so ready for, for this kid to not be waking up in the middle of the night. I'm so ready for them to sleep through the time. I'm so ready for my kid to be five. I'm so ready for my kid to be, um, you know, eight and be able to take care of themselves or whatever else. And then guess what? Then all of a sudden, I did it. I saw it over and over and over again as a youth pastor. I would be sitting down at a graduation party for these kids, and I have these parents look at me with tears in their eyes, and they'd say, Where did it go? Aaron, it happened so fast. They missed the miracle of their kids. I see it a lot with churches. Look. I don't think this is a big shock to anybody. We're not perfect. There's literally, and this is just the way my mind works, thousands of things about our church that I, I want to fix. I promise you, your list is not as long as mine. And I'm not proud of that. But so many times people will walk in and they will miss the amazing things that God is doing because you know what? This isn't right. Or this isn't the way I would want it to be. Or, or you know what? We need to paint this. Or we need to take care of this. Or, or there's a stain on the carpet here. Or, or, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And you know what? I deal with it too. I struggle with it too. Can I give you an insight to my life? This is something I have learned. This is something that I have learned that I want you to understand. Not about just this church, but about every church. And it's quite simply this. This is from my personal experience. If I come into this place on Sunday morning, if I come in here with a complaining heart, and I start looking around at all the things that are not as good as I wish they were, and all the things that I wish were fixed, and all the things that I wish that we could take care of or do better, if I do that, I miss what God does the entire morning. I cannot tell you how many times I've been in the worship service and I have missed the amazing things that God has been doing because you know what? I go, oh boy, that, that, well, we need to do this and, and, and oh boy, we, that, the, the parking lot's gonna, you know, it, it's falling apart. We need to take care of that. I have missed them. I'm not saying that we're not supposed to look at issues and try to do the very best we can and fix those issues. I'm not trying to say you let your, your, your spouse, you don't, you don't iron sharpening iron or help your kids grow. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is what are you focused in on? Are you focused in on the problems? Are you focused in on the negatives or the things that need to be fixed? Or are you focused in on the miracle that you have right in front of you in your marriage and in your kids and in your church? You go, Aaron, really, church? Is church a miracle? Yeah, let's, let's get on a plane. Let's go to places where they can't have church like we can, and you will see what a miracle this really is. Is it perfect? No. But what are you focusing in on? Because here's what I've learned. When I come in here, 
And I say, yes, God, I acknowledge that the pastor of this church, of Broomfield Assembly, has a lot to work on. He is not perfect. He needs to get his act together in these areas. He needs to do better here, 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 and here. I acknowledge that. But God, in this moment, I choose to focus in on the good things that you're doing here. I choose to focus in on the miracles that you're producing, some that I'm seeing, some that I'm not. When I do that, guess what seems to happen? Those mornings, I see miracles take place. I see lives changed. Does that mean that lives weren't changed when my attitude wasn't right? No, those miracles take place because God is faithful. I just didn't see them. Because my heart and my eyes were focused on other things. Again, I'm not asking you to put your head in the sand. I'm not asking you to act like there aren't issues. With all of these areas, there are But what you choose to focus in on will literally change what you see and hopefully will continue to move you forward to God's promises. So stop looking at the problems and see the miracles. Number two, keep a thankful heart. Keep a thankful heart. Is that basic? Yeah, it's basic. Do we do it? No, we don't. Think about what we have. Think about the amazing miracles of a marriage, of a church family, of children, of grandchildren, of being able to be an uncle or an aunt, or whatever. Those are amazing. When was the last time, I mean, just, just be honest, when was the last time, instead of spending time in prayer, simply just asking God for what you need, which is a part of it and it's good, You were just thankful. You just started to list the things that God has done. And not not towards the end of November either, when it's so easy to focus in on those things. How can we have that thankfulness in our heart? Listen, thankfulness, hear me, it literally repels complaining. You cannot be thankful and complain at the same time. You can't. Not truly. Because whatever you got to complain about, hear me, I don't care how big it is, you have more to be thankful for. Every single one of us. You could list it all out. Everything that's gone wrong. And I got the trump card. It's real easy. I say, yeah, and when this life is over, we spend eternity with Jesus. But here's the bottom line. All of us still have amazing things that God is doing in us and through us. Every single one of us are blessed beyond measure. Why do I know that? Simple, because God promises it. He loves to pour out blessings on his people. Here's the thing. This is the last little part of our notes. Things are never going to be perfect in life. But we can choose to be thankful for the good or complain about the bad. It's as simple as that. Your life is not going to be perfect. There's no such thing. You go, if I just had, whatever, whatever your, your little caveat is, you know what I mean? We all do this. If I just had more money, if I just had this car, if I just had this type of spouse, if my kids were just this way, if my boss treated me better, whatever your caveat is, that you think if you just had that, then everything else would be perfect, is just, is just, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it because I can say it about myself. It's foolishness. 
Life's not perfect. It's hard. Jesus told us it would be hard. He told us there would be moments that we have to be issues, but we still get to choose. Listen, I don't want us... I don't want to miss the miracles. Am I perfect in this? Absolutely not. But there are times where I'll go, you know, I'll be, I'll be frustrated, I'll be upset, I'll be, you know, this isn't working right, or this isn't happening right, or I'm not, not speaking well, or whatever it might be. And I begin to let that, that attitude of complaining come in. And I have to check myself. And I have to say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to go there. And sometimes, listen, I wish I could say it's like I start and like 30 seconds later I click and I go, okay, I, I, I can't do this anymore. And sometimes it doesn't quite happen that quickly. Unfortunately, there's times I spend weeks in that pit of complaining. And in that time, I miss it all. I miss time with my wife. I miss time with my son. I miss time with my God. And I miss time with you. You see, God has amazing promises for all of us. And I don't want to see any of us miss the miracles because our heart is a heart of complaint. Our heart is a heart of murmuring, which is another word you see in all these passages. It's not easy. It's not sometimes we go through hard times. We go through hard moments. But if we could learn anything from basically all of those stories that we just are not going to spend the next six months on in Exodus... Learn this. Those people saw the Red Sea part. Those people saw food show up on the ground every day. Except on Saturday. And then they got double the portion. They saw water come out of a rock to, to, to give water enough for probably some estimates is over a million people that were traveling there were Israelites traveling to the promised land. They saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And they still missed the promised land. Why? Their hearts were rebellious. Their hearts had lack of faith. I agree with all of that. But it, what, what comes out from that heart in their instance it was a heart of complaint. Sometimes it's not the big ones that get us, folks. Sometimes it's the little ones that keep us from what God really wants to do in us and through us. Let's all close our eyes. Let's, let's spend a, time, a little bit of time of prayer. Father, we come to you right now. and God, I, I, Paul wrote in, in one of his letters, he said, I am the chief sinner. And today, Father, I feel like I could say that without any issue in this instant. I am the chief sinner. I am the chief complainer sometimes. 
Father, instead of seeing the good, I see the bad. Instead of seeing your miracles, I see the problems that had to be there to bring about a miracle. If the Egyptian army wasn't pursuing, if there wasn't a problem, if there wasn't a major issue, there would have been no miracle because there would have been no need for one. God, sometimes there are problems, there are issues that take place in our homes and in our families and our workplaces, in our churches. And God, we can sit there and we can complain and we can murmur and we can get mad at each other and we can throw rocks at the leadership and we can say, you're doing it wrong and you're not doing it right. How could you? What's the deal here? All these things, Father. Or we can run to you and go, God, we got a big problem here. We're not going to act like they don't got issues. We, we got issues Now, God, we're ready for you to do the miracle. Because, God, I believe you want to do miracles in churches and in marriages and in relationships and in schools and in workplaces. But, God, you are looking for your people to stop complaining about the problems and turn to you, looking to you for the miracle and the solutions. Father, it's real easy to find the issues. Father, we look to you to do what only you can do. But God, change our hearts. Change my heart. Don't let us walk into our homes or our workplaces or our schools or or our churches or whatever with a heart of complaining, with a heart of of critical. Let Let us not ignore that there are issues, but let us focus on what makes them good. Because I believe when we choose to focus on those things, you will respond with some amazing things. And here's the thing, God. Even though all those people kept doing it over and over again, you kept doing miracles. Why? Because, God, you are faithful. Because your plans will be accomplished. But, God, they missed every one. And in the long term, they missed the biggest promise that they had in their life, which was the promise of a land filled with milk and honey. And instead of taking a hold of their promise, they died in the wilderness. Father, quite honestly, I need your forgiveness because I've died in certain areas in the wilderness for promises that you've made for me. And Father, I believe that if if the people that are here, whether they're online or, or here personally this morning, if they were honest, every single one of us can identify probably areas in our life where this is this which's true, where this concept plays out maybe on a daily basis. And Father, I pray that you would once again give us a new heart. Once again, that you would take our heart of stone and give us a heart that's tender. A heart that says, yeah, there are issues, but look, but I believe God is going to do great things. Yeah, my wife isn't perfect. Yeah, my husband isn't perfect. But man, boy, do they do these things so well. And I'm going to tell them so. 
Yeah, my kids are messy. Yeah, sometimes my kids are loud. But what an unbelievable blessing it is to be a father or to be a mother and help raise these kids to know you, God. Thank you for entrusting your kids with me. God, those types of prayers change things. And those are what we need for every single person here. But God, I I need it for me. So God, not only am I praying for us, I'm praying for me. Change my heart. Help me to not be a complainer, to not see the bad and focus on that alone, but to see the amazing miracles that you have done, that you are doing, and that you will do. Because God, you are faithful. And we know they're coming and we want to see them. Let us be a people that see your miracles in every aspect of our life. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Well, listen, I hope you have a wonderful week guys remember this tuesday is our our men's breakfast or men's breakfast our men's bible study sorry i still got food on the brain i can still smell it it smells good um if you want to stay around there's still plenty to eat hang out spend some time together uh again thank you so much for those that brought food to share um and 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 thanks so much for everybody that's joined us this morning for those that are online we love you we miss you we hope to see you soon hope that you're having a great hope you have a great week as well so i hope you just have an amazing week and that this week let's let's just all let's all spend this week focusing in on what god is doing and the great things that God is doing in our home and in our life and in our churches and in all those things. It's so easy right now to find what's wrong. But God is moving and God's doing great things, all right? Awesome. Thanks for being here this morning. Hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.